Today's Old Testament reading comes from Proverbs 11, verses 1 to 8. The Lord detests dishonest scales, but accurate weights find favor with him. When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. Wealth is worthless in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. The righteousness of the blameless makes their paths straight, but the wicked are brought down by their own wickedness. The righteousness of the upright delivers them, but the unfaithful are trapped by evil desires. Hopes placed in mortals die with them. All the promise of their power comes to nothing. The righteous person is rescued from trouble, and it falls on the wicked instead. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, please go ahead. If you have your Bibles with you, you can open them up to Mark chapter 8. Um, a couple of things I want to mention first, though. Um, I forgot to mention in the introduction. I promised Christoph I would, and then I forgot. Sorry, Christoph. Um, but I want to mention it now. Uh, this is actually really great. You know, it's sort of a bummer that we only have 50 people here and it's, we're sort of limited in size and scope. But on April 30th, 60 years ago, IPC had its first service. And so this Sunday, though a bit understated, is actually our 60th anniversary as a church. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah, thanks be to God, huh? And... We, are, uh, we have wonderful teams of people beginning to plan festivities, hopefully for the autumn, when we can be together and celebrate properly with a nice international spread of food where we all leave feeling a little bit sick. Um, but until we can do that, please just remember to keep uh, this church and what God is doing in this city in your prayers, um, because 60 years is, is a wonderful, wonderful thing, and we are grateful for it. Um, and so, with that mentioned, uh, we'll be praying for that later. And um, yes, it is just something I didn't want to forget to mention. And so thanks uh, for being here. Our New Testament reading is taken from Mark chapter 8. And uh, we will continue the sermon series next week when Andy returns, uh, hopefully on the Lord's Prayer. But for now, um, I chose this passage sort of as a little a fun standalone sermon for this morning. Well, fun for me. Um, Mark chapter 8, starting in verse 11. The Pharisees came and began to question Jesus, to test him. They asked him for a sign from heaven. He sighed deeply and said, Why does this generation ask for a sign? Truly, I tell you, no sign will be given to it. Then he left them, got back into the boat, and crossed to the other side. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread, except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed with this with one another and said, It is because we have no bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, Why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand, or are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see, and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember when I broke up the five loaves for the five thousand? How many basketfuls or pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. 
And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They answered, seven. He said to them, do you still not understand? This too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The reason this is fun for me is I actually uh, was speaking with Andy and he said, well, why don't you just do whatever sermon you want? And I thought, okay, I have this folder in my computer of unfinished sermons. And for whatever reason, I was looking back and I just saw this title that said, The Yeast of the Pharisees. And I thought, oh, this will be fun. So I looked back and I decided to change the title to what Jesus finished this little questionnaire with to his disciples. Do you understand yet? And so let me give you some context about what's happening since we're just sort of jumping into this chapter in Scripture. In Mark chapter 8, um, they have just fed 4,000 people miraculously. And two chapters before that, in Mark chapter 6, they had just fed 5,000 people miraculously by Jesus multiplying food. And here we are, after this great miracle, after this great sense of provision from God, the Pharisees approach Jesus, and it says that they demand a sign from heaven. The Pharisees come to him and they say, hey, um, prove it. (laughs) Which seems sort of silly, coming right off the heels of of a miracle of producing food for 4,000 people. Uh, And let me just give you a reminder as well, if if you haven't studied about the Pharisees recently. The Pharisees um, were one of about four groups of Jews around this time. There were the Pharisees and the Sadducees, right? And then there were Zealots, and these were the people that were sort of revolutionaries, wanted to fight against Rome. And then there was this other group that sort of lived out in the desert called the Essenes. And they were sort of the, 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 the monks, if you will. They lived out kind of away from society. And the Pharisees were the people that were sort of more common people who trusted in the law of Moses, trusted in the Old Testament, and then also on the interpretation of rabbis. These are the people that had all the rules, right? You can't pick grain on the Sabbath. You, you, have to, you can only walk so many steps. You can only do these sorts of things, right? So these were the people that had all the rules. The Sadducees were a bit more relaxed um, in some ways, and they were more like the leaders and the kind of, you know, the well-to-do Jews in Jerusalem. So these are the Pharisees. And the Pharisees come to Jesus again. And by the way, this happens throughout Scripture in the Gospels. The Pharisees come to Jesus again and say, hey, um, give us a sign from heaven. Now, as we read this, we think, well, he just gave you a sign, guys. (laughs) He just miraculously produced all this bread for these people. But what a lot of people think, and, and what it seems like they were asking for, was something very, very overt. If you remember when Elijah defeated the prophets of Baal in the Old Testament, 1 Kings 17, 18. They were probably asking for something like that, right? Call down fire from heaven. Do something where you call out the name of the Lord and something happens. And Jesus' response, I think, is really interesting. Verse 12 tells us that he sighed deeply. Other translations, and what it says in the Greek is that he, he sighed deeply like in his spirit, in his very soul. Not really sure where the NIV omitted that little detail, but I think we all know what this means, right? He's discouraged. (laughs) Have you ever had this happen where you're trying to explain something, you're trying to do something, you're trying to help someone, you're trying to do something you think is really beneficial, and and, and people just aren't getting it? People just aren't really understanding who you are or what you're about, and you're just kind of (sighs) like, it's discouraging. Jesus has been trying to love the people. Jesus has been trying to bring mercy and justice and the love of God. And these people come to him and they say, 
Tell us by what power you're doing these things. Tell us who you are. Give us proof. Right? Show us the stamp on your hand. And Jesus is thinking, you guys, you're not getting it. And remember, sometimes people get uncomfortable thinking, oh, well, Jesus wasn't discouraged. He was Jesus. Remember, Jesus was also fully man. Jesus felt the same things we feel. Jesus felt many of the things we deal with. And I honestly believe that this really burdened his soul. When he would see the Pharisees, and the Pharisees would ask him for a sign like this, he would just say, guys, how are you missing this? It's like when the, 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 um, on Palm Sunday in Luke 19, I think, it says that he saw Jerusalem and he wept over it because he knew what was going to happen. Like, these things grieved him. But then, Jesus says to them, you know what? You're not going to see a sign. You're not going to see the thing you're looking for. And he leaves. And I thought about this, and I thought, man, I understand what Jesus is feeling. I kind of think I get what he's thinking. But then I sort of thought, wait a minute. Do I ever do this of Jesus? Just as a side note, right? Do we ever demand a sign of Jesus? And I thought, no, surely not. I've never asked God to call down fire from heaven. Well, maybe I have once or twice. Um, But it was probably when I was a teenager and really mad at someone, right? I mean, we don't do this. We, we don't really operate this way. So we think, okay, at least we don't do this of Jesus. But then I thought, what does this look like for us today? How many of us have ever tried to bargain with God in prayer? How many of you have ever said, okay, God, if I do this, then you better do this. Hey, God, I'll go and serve you. I'll go and step out in faith. I'll go do something really big for you. But you better give me a sign to make sure it's right. And then I thought, you know what? We do this all the time. You and I, in our everyday prayer life, are regularly calling for signs from God. Because we think we deserve it. Because we think we're big and mighty. And I don't know. But we do this all the time. And I began to think about this, and I thought, I do this regularly. And I began to feel really convicted. I'm thinking, gosh... I demand things from God all the time. And now there's one thing when we're talking about justice and mercy and love and asking God to intervene. That's different. What I'm talking about is when we know we're being just a little bit selfish. And we say to God, hey, God, I'll do that, but I really need you to to, give me a sign first or show me this first. And I think you know what I'm talking about. Well, as I said, when the Pharisees ask Jesus this, he says, you will be given no sign like that. And they just leave. He says, I have no time for you people. And then he's sitting in the boat with his disciples in verse 14 and 15. And he says, hey, just be careful. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees. In verse 16, they're like, oh, it's because we forgot to bring bread. I really wish I had more of this conversation. But clearly there's there's a disconnect, like usual, with Jesus and his disciples. Uh, That's why they need him. And, And he says in verse 18 and 19, hey, wait. Or 17, you think this is about bread? Okay, let me just remind you. Two chapters, well, they weren't chapters back then, but, you you know. Mark chapter 6, we we fed 5,000 people. You remember what happened there? Like, yeah, yeah, we remember. There was a bunch of bread left over. Okay, great. Or is that Mark chapter 6, excuse me? How much left over was there? They're like, like, there was a bunch of bread, great. And then we just had this happen. Right? We just had this happen where we just left, we did it again, and, and, and how much bread was left over? And then they answered, and they say, you know, seven. Okay, great. Um, and then he just looks at them and says, do you still not understand? And then it sort of just like dies out there. 
they move on. And I stopped and was thinking and thinking, man, what do we do with this passage? And I was thinking about what I was saying before, about how we all still sometimes demand signs in our own prayer life. But yet, what we do, or don't do, rather, is we forget to look back. We forget to, to look back and see what God has done. We demand signs because we say to God, hey God, I need you to intervene, rather than looking back and realizing God's been intervening this whole time. Just as a brief aside, I hadn't even thought about this, but I just looked back. Easter banner. That's a pretty good reminder to look back and realize, oh, look at what God has done. And yet we forget these things, and so going forward in our life, we say to God, okay, God, if you do this, then I'll do this. We still demand signs. We still get anxious and worried and confused about the future, and we think in our lack of faith, let's just be honest and call it what it is, our lack of faith, we wonder if God's going to take care of us. And I think sometimes when we ask these things of God, Jesus looks at us and says, do you still not understand? <laughs> I mean, do you still not understand all the things I have done for you? And then I'm thinking about, okay, am I a Pharisee? Am I one of these people who's demanding a sign of God? And I think about the Pharisees and I, I begin to see some connections with them in my own life. We know the Pharisees, back in the time of Jesus, have found a home in what's called the law, in the Torah, right? They've, they've, they've taken the law of Moses, and they have clung to it. And there's lots of reasons. If you remember, the Israelites and, and Judah were put in exile. And so when they came back from exile, this group of people began devoting themselves to the law so it would never happen again. And these people were so devoted to the interpretation of the law, their knowledge, their desire to understand, cling to that, saying, if I can understand the law, then I'll be safe. They've relied on their biblical interpretation and their head knowledge to be able to say, we can get safe from God ever leaving us. And if we're honest, many of us can understand this perspective. Many of us find a home in rules and regulations, right? Give me the rules, give me the guidelines so I'm safe, so I don't get in trouble, and I'll just go along, right? Many of us have made church this way. Okay, give me the rules, right? Um, what, what was the line um, from my wife's grandfather? What was the, the, the line from back in the day? You know, I don't, uh, I don't drink, smoke, or something, and then I don't go with girls who do, right? Like, there's, there's rules, right? We don't drink, we don't smoke, we don't gamble, uh, and, and, and then we don't hang out with people that do, and if we stick to these rules and guidelines, then I'll be safe. And this is kind of what the Pharisees did. They set up rules and guidelines, and they lived in those guidelines. And now, how many of us do the exact same thing? Right, let's just talk about the country we all live in, right? This isn't a knock on those who are Swiss, but, but Switzerland is a place of rules, right? Okay, do the garbage just so, do the recycling just so, do the laundry just so, and you'll get along fine. Okay, good, great, we all agree to these things. All of us have this sort of bone in our body where we think, okay, God, if you just give me the rules, if you just set out the three steps I need to do every day, Wake up and pray, read my Bible, try not to swear, try not to, you know, you know, two glasses of wine, but not three glasses of wine, and then, like, like, what are the rules, and then I'll be safe. And this is kind of what the Pharisees were doing. And what I want to encourage you to think about is how do we do this in our life? We think that we can take rules or theology or things God is teaching us and say, okay, let's make hard, fast rules, and so I just won't get in trouble with God. 
And what does this tell us about how we think about God? That we think God is trying to get us in trouble. That we think God is waiting for us to step out of the lines and he's going to smite us. (laughs) But that's not the God of the Bible. Most of us really, really want this with our faith and with our religion, but that's not what Jesus teaches. This is not the teachings of Jesus. Now, yes, there are things Jesus is very clear about. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one gets to the Father but through me. However, church, we need to understand that when we read this book, the Pharisees had this same mindset of, if we can just stay inside the lines, we'll be fine. But Jesus came, and what did he say in the Sermon on the Mount? You have heard it said this, but I am here to tell you it's actually this. You think this, but actually it's this. And one of the things we see with the Pharisees over and over and over again is that they approached Jesus asking for a sign, demanding a sign from heaven with pride in their hearts. They come to Jesus believing they were right or believing they could be right, like the rich young ruler. How do I experience eternal life? Do all these things. Oh, I've done all those things. I'm good. Okay, sell everything you have. What? (laughs) Right? And it says he walks away sad. Because the rich young ruler, the Pharisees, they came to Jesus with pride saying, hey Jesus, just tell me I'm right. But what did Jesus do? Jesus went out into the world to bring love and justice and mercy. And in our story here, when the the Pharisees come to him with pride in their heart, it causes him to sigh deeply in his soul because he knows they don't get it. So when we talk about the yeast of the Pharisees, when we talk about do we still not understand, brothers and sisters in Christ, my question that I want you to ask yourself that I've been asking myself this week is do I let these things enter into my life? Do I let the pride in my heart, my demands to Jesus, enter into my life? Do I demand a sign? Do you demand things from God in prayer? Do we as a community demand that God vindicate us in what we are doing? Are we approaching God with pride in our hearts to say, hey God, we're pretty sure we're right. So just make sure, give us a pat on the back and we're going to keep going. Or, Do we approach God with humility and openness and say, Jesus, teach us what we should be doing. Lead us in the way we should go. Correct us if that's what we need. Because how people approach Jesus throughout Scripture vastly changes his response to them. Just read through. Read through all the miracles. The very next section after this is Jesus going to heal a blind man who comes to him with humility and Jesus heals him. Just before this, the Pharisees come to him with pride, and he says, you don't get it, goodbye. But when the blind man comes to Jesus with humility in his heart, he leaves with sight. And many of us, I truly believe this, have the same critical spirit in our hearts and the same prideful spirit in our hearts as the Pharisees. So let me challenge you. How often do you come to Jesus or Scripture and try to have all the correct information? How often do you try to understand all scripture and truth for your benefit rather than to allow Jesus to change your life and change others' lives through scripture? How often does your desire for knowledge and power come from a desire to control? And be honest with yourself. How often is our desire, and I'm going to say it again, our desire for pride or our desire to control affect our desire to have knowledge and understand scripture. 
Because if it's not coming from humility, and if it's not coming from a desire to love and show the mercy of God to others, it might be coming from pride. We can know the truth. God will reveal to us his truth. However, if we do it from a desire to want to be right, it's sin. Church, we are never going to have all the facts about our God. If you think you can get all the information about Scripture and know all there is to know about God, I hate to burst your bubble, but you won't. And I believe the yeast of the Pharisees was their inflexibility, their arrogance to assume they had it all right, their inability to be willing to do things the hard way. And Jesus is warning his disciples, beware of this evil. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees. We always want to jump to the end of the story, don't we? We always want to just jump to the point where we're going to have it all figured out. We want to jump to the end. You know, if you actually go to the next chapter in Mark, it's really amazing. The next chapter in Mark is the transfiguration, where, where Peter, James, and John go up on the mountain, and they see Jesus and Elijah, and what do they say to Jesus? Hey, let's build houses and just stay here. Like, they just want to jump to the end. Like, let's just, let's just be with God in glory. Let's not do all the hard work, Jesus. Let's just jump to the end. And Jesus says, no. Guys, we got to go down the mountain and do the hard work. If we want to have wisdom and knowledge, it does not come from self-assurance. It does not come from pride, but it comes from humility before our God. And so one of the places we can see this, one of the ways in our own lives we can see the yeast of the Pharisees is are we demanding things of God in our prayer life? Are we clinging to knowledge and wisdom in, in a way to lord it over anyone else? Are we doing these things? Because when Jesus warns them about these things, he's saying, listen, the whole point of why I am here is that you would continue my mission in this world, which is to bring love and mercy and justice to this world, not power and control and oppression. And even as as Brian read in the Proverbs, what does it say? When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But when we bring that mercy and justice, we bring the kingdom of God to this world. We are called to love God and to love other people. And and, and when we experience the signs that bring that faith, when we can see the miraculous signs Jesus is doing, we don't have to demand a sign from heaven. When we are living in the kingdom of God, we see miracles around us all the time. We're able to look back in prayer and see the cross that just four weeks ago we celebrated, and we can look back, and it still gives us encouragement to continue forward no matter what God would call us to do. And we don't have to doubt, we don't have to fear, but we can go forward with confidence. And then we see signs everywhere so that we never feel like in our heart, God, prove it, like the Pharisees did. And so church, let me encourage you, in our life with other people, in your families, in your own life with God, do not demand understanding from God. Do not demand that God show you a sign, but rather... Ask God to show you what he's already doing. God is doing miracles every day. God is revealing his truth to you through family, through friends, through scripture. And when we come to God with pride in our hearts, let me just remind you again, that is sin. And when Jesus sees people come to him with pride in their hearts, he just says, keep going. But when we come to God with humility, we see miracles. When we come to God with humility, we see his love and his healing and his grace.
And so, brothers and sisters in Christ, let me just say what Christ said to his disciples as we close. Beware the yeast of the Pharisees in your own life. Shall we pray? Father God, thank you for this warning. May we see that we all have pride in our hearts. May we see that we all desire wisdom and understanding from a worldly perspective. But God, let us make our prayer that we would desire wisdom and understanding from your perspective. That our desire to study scripture, our desire to know you, would be from a desire to love our neighbor. To bring mercy and justice to this world. Let our religion and our knowledge of you never bring oppression, but let it only bring love. Lord, you are good, and we trust that you will do this work in us and through us, not just as individuals, but as a community. And we make our prayer in the matchless, holy name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so, friends, uh, for our responding hymn, I invite you to stand if you're able and enjoy um, our responding hymn, which seems to fit just perfectly, that God's law is perfect and gives life.